0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in this series we're doing called Interacting Well. Interacting Well. Um, This series sprung out of a series we started. uh, The the last series was called Developing Well, where we talked about the Beatitudes, the attitudes that need to be developed in us as we cooperate with the Spirit of God in, in becoming the citizens of the kingdom that we need to be. And at the end of Matthew 5, where the Beatitudes are, are these verses that talk about being salt and light in the world around us. And um, that's where this idea of of interacting well comes from, how we interact in the world. And we've been using as the foundation for this series um, Jesus' great command, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we've really spent the last uh, seven weeks um, digging into that and what that means, sort of a little chunk at a time. Uh, And actually last week, we, act, we looked at an encounter with Jesus had because we, we want to look at some encounters now to talk about how we're to love our neighbors ourselves, what that means. We, we have already said that our neighbors are the people that we encounter who need mercy. Um, we developed that from the parable of the Good Samaritan. And that, that Jesus is the model for those things. And so by looking at the way that he interacts with people, we can learn a lot. And I, I love watching how and reading and thinking about how Jesus interacts with people um, because he does things that, that are just so amazing, and he loves people so well, and he, he, uh, he, he just has this great way of, of moving towards the hearts of people. Because his desire, remember, we looked at this, is to, to save the world. That's the reason he came. It's his mission. It wasn't to condemn the world, it was to save the world. And so he's always trying to, to bring people into the journey so that they can have life um, now and forever, the life that he came for all of us to have. And so we're going to look at another encounter today. We looked at the encounter with Nicodemus uh, last week. I want to look at an encounter Jesus has with a woman in uh, John chapter 8 this week. This is a, a woman that's caught in adultery. And so we'll dig into that in a moment and we'll, we'll see what takes place. Before we do, I have a few really, really bad jokes. And these, these are thinkers now. I, I would sort of refer to these as nerd jokes. Because if you're a little nerdy, you'll get these right away. And if you're not... Look for a nerd and ask them what the jokes mean. So, so there's a band called 1,023 Megabytes. They haven't had any gigs yet. That's a classic. If you don't get it, find a nerd. I like this one too. This is good. So, so the, the programmer, the computer programmer's wife, she says to him, hey, listen, would you run to the store and pick up a loaf of bread and if they have eggs get a dozen and so later on the programmer comes home with 12 loaves of bread computer program if they have eggs get a dozen and eat never mind okay I had to explain these last night too I should just get rid of them but it's all I got (laughs) Um, that's my favorite sorry oh I love that that's worth it all yeah okay Last, just a thought, this last one. Entropy, it's not what it used to be. <laughs> when you look up entropy later on, you're going to laugh. Scripture reading, John chapter 8, verse 12, says this, When Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have The light of life blessed be the word of the Lord Jesus says those things after the encounter that we're going to read in John chapter 8 and and it's this amazing interaction he has with a woman who's brought to him who's been caught in the act of violating the law and you're going to see light and darkness conflicting in this whole process as the established religious community walks in darkness and Jesus introduces what walking in the light looks like and we're going to see the contrast between legalism and grace and how it applies in this interaction and we need to do that with with remembering that we're to love our neighbors as ourselves our neighbors are those people who need the mercy of our heavenly father the same mercy that we ourselves have received and so um last week, like I said, it was a neat interaction, I thought, with Nicodemus, who sort of represented the established religious community, and what Jesus says to them is, you know, you're not going to get there on your works, you need grace, and now here's someone uh, that that, that this same community brings to him uh, who has violated their law, Um, but we're going to see that their motives are so dark um, in this whole process that they've missed the entire point. So, John chapter 8 is where our encounter is, and we'll begin in verse 1. Um, and verses 1 through 6 say this but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus teacher this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law Moses commanded us to stone such women now what do you say they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. I want to stop there just for a moment and, and talk about this point. Um, and point number one in your notes is, is this. What was Jesus writing? What was Jesus writing? And let me just, I wanted to get this right out because the Bible doesn't say, and so there is no way of knowing what he was actually writing. A lot of people have theories and ideas and you may even have heard it taught so that you think you know what Jesus was writing because someone told you this is what he was writing. We don't know what he was writing. So anything you have is a thought. Um, And there might be some pretty good thoughts out there, but we do not know what Jesus was writing. So whatever your pet theory is, that's fine. As long as you know, it's just an idea. It's not. The scripture doesn't say what he was writing some some like to say he was writing down the sins of all the accusers there some say he was writing down the 10 commandments um i used to say i I quit saying this because people would get upset with me that he was playing tic-tac-toe so i don't say that anymore um because you know i don't want people to get upset and and, uh so so we just don't know what he was writing there so don't let that because i think sometimes people get stuck on that and they miss the heart of the story It becomes about what Jesus was writing, and that's just not the the main detail. Whatever it was, it, it was, all right? And you can ask him in heaven. So let's go on. John 8, 7 through 12. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So this encounter happens, and we're going to talk about that, and then Jesus says to them after that, Look, when you walk with me, you won't walk in darkness, which they just experienced. You're going to walk in the light of life, this light of of this life that brings grace and mercy and introduces people back into relationship with God. So as people that are all in for God, heart, soul, mind, strength, trying to love our neighbors as ourselves, um, we need to get a a picture of what's going on here. The light of life that Jesus brings into this encounter and, and contrast it against the darkness of legalism that the established religious community brings into the process and so let 's look at how the Pharisees treat this woman, and then we 'll see how Jesus treats her and you 'll see the, the huge difference and then I hope with, as with all these encounters when we look at them that we 'll actually take it in and think about how we interact with people and and how we have this tendency um, to sort of sh- shift over to this dark stuff um, and, and lose sight of, of the, the light of life that Jesus brings, and how we have to be very very careful with it in the process so let 's talk about point two. Which is the darkness of legalism, the darkness of legalism, and point little A will jump right in there. Two A, um, the first thing about the darkness of legalism is that it doesn't care about people; it just doesn't care about people. What it cares about is the rules. It doesn't care about people; it cares about the rules. Now, now this is the what's happened, um, and what Jesus enters into. Um, is that the established religious community has has gone dark like this, and they just don't care about people anymore. Their mission is no longer to introduce people to God. Um, their their mission is to kind of maintain their own deal, and and um, and they've they've come up with so many rules that their hearts have gotten hardened. They've lost sight of the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, and and uh, it's just become this this really hard way of life, and they they don't care about people any longer. They just don't and, and and it's evidenced in what they do see this this woman who was caught in the act of adultery they don't care about her or anything else um, they've, they just become bent on on the rules and they want the rules enforced and they're going to try and use this woman to trap jesus again they don't care about her at all and and they don't like jesus even though they we've already seen they they haven't figured out that he must have come from god but they don't like the package and so they don't care about anything except their own deal and, and following the rules, and they're going to try and use this, this, uh, this woman to test and to trap Jesus. So, you know, think about these things. Imagine now this woman caught and, and, and standing in front of this, just dragged in front of this group, um, uh, and, and all that she must be experiencing in the process. And they just don't care about people, just about rules. And part of the problem is, if, if we allow ourselves to become people that are so focused on rules then anybody who's outside of the rules that we are putting on ourselves and trying to live by, we, we all of a sudden we don't like them at all and we'll go out of our way to sort of point out the fact that they're not living up to our rules and our standards and, and we lose sight of the whole thing. So John 8, three, the teacher of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery and they made her stand before the group. Point B. Legalism, the darkness of legalism in point B is selective. It's selective. This is another big problem. It's, it's extremely selective on who they're going to Um, point out and ostracize in their communities Um, and and they're going to pick certain things and generally they go after the sins that they think they'll never commit themselves and so forgetting that they've got their own stuff they'll just start going after other people and and so it's extremely selective john 8 3a the teachers of the law and the pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery in the act of adultery now here's um the, the the thing that we would question here last time i checked it takes two people to commit adultery, right? They were caught too. They were caught. So, where's the guy? Why isn't he dragged in front of the group too? Both of them. See, and they, they want to put him under the law, the Levitical law 19, which says they okay they should you commit adultery, you should get stoned. But they, it's selective. They're just going to drag this woman up. The guy apparently has, you know. And then there's a lot of idea. Who was the guy? You know, what did he pay his way off? Was he one of them? Um, what was the deal? But he's not there. And they don't even care that he's not there. They got this woman. That's it. We caught her. What are you going to deal? And so legalism is really selective. And, and uh, again, when we start being very selective in who we're going to ostracize and go after, we need to see if we're not walking in some sort of darkness. It also does this. It focuses itself on the punishment. It focuses on the punishment. That's point C. John 8, 4, and 5 said to Jesus teacher this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law moses commanded us to stone such women now what do you say so there it is we don't care about her she broke the law punish let's take care of it and legalism is still about the punishment when whenever our focus gets on the punishment um, we lose sight of the bigger picture that jesus is going to bring see because when you start telling people about the punishment, it doesn't point them at a God who loves them. In fact, I think it has the opposite impact. It doesn't point them to a God who made a way for them to have eternal life with them. It just points at their sin and says, you know, you, you, you ought to die for that. Um, and, and they sort of leave it there in the process. And and look, there's some, see, even in legalism, there's, there's some sort of elements of truth that have been turned around because, you know, biblically, we understand that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god and the bible says the wages of sin is death but but this sort of legalistic morally superior acting finger pointing message is never what jesus does in these encounters and that's what I, it's just never what jesus does he never does it ever and the reality is because he's the only one without sin he, he's the only one who could have thrown a stone and made a point over and he never does he's the only one who, who lived up to the standard that he could actually stand and judge it and he doesn't do it the way that we would often expect him to instead what he does at time after time after time is demonstrate the light of grace point three is just that it's about the light of grace and the light of grace see it's it's different here point a it cares about people first and foremost not about the rules People first. People first. John 8, 10. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? I love this about Jesus. Here's this woman. She's she's sinned. She's been dragged before the group. She's been humiliated. Um, everyone in the crowd has pointed at her. She's been the focus of all this attention. You try and imagine embarrassed, scared, thinking she's about to be stoned to death for what just took place. And, and Jesus stops and ministers to her. See, he cares about people first. And he said, look, they're all gone. They left you here. You're okay. No one is condemning. And neither do I. How amazing is the difference in in what's taking place here. How amazing the light of grace is in the process. And so what we have to understand in this is and, and is that the little letter B, see, the light of grace understands that we're all sinners. Jesus wasn't, but all the rest of us have. John 8, 7, he said this, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. If any of you, that's the qualification, is without sin, then then go ahead and toss all the stones you want. Without sin, go ahead and start throwing, but guess what? None of us make it. None of us measure up to that standard. We get stopped right there. None of us is without sin. So, so what the reality is, none of us should be, you know, um, condemningly throwing stones and pointing fingers at the people that we encounter. Instead, the light of grace, and this is little letter C, offers hope of a righteous life. It offers hope of a righteous life. Remember I said that that righteous it means, you know, the right thing. Living by trying to do the next right thing is, is kind of what that looks like and what we say all the time. John eight eleven. No one, sir, she said then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now, I want to make sure that you hear me when I talk about grace and contrast it to legalism and, and then you know, talk about law and all those other things. You need to know that Jesus doesn't take sin lightly. And he's also not saying that it's not an issue that we don't need to deal with. But what Jesus does is loves people so that they can change. And, and if you don't love people, we love our neighbors as ourselves, if we don't love people, we'll never be able to help them leave their life of sin and have a life with God forever. If we don't love them enough to invite them into the journey and let the power of God and the Spirit of God to begin to transform them, we don't have anything else to offer. Our pointing out the fact that they're off course and they're not going to make it um, without loving them in the process won't, won't bring them into the journey with God where they can find life. It just won't. We become just like the Pharisees, who didn't care about people anymore, just about the rules. And they they don't care. I don't. I have, and so I think sometimes we get off track because we'll see people just you know just moving in such in in a bad direction, and rather than figuring out how we can love them into the journey, so that God can do something with that, who cares? Yeah, let them go. Uh, and we miss the the point and the mission and the purpose and what we're called to in the process. And so you know. It's it's never because I have I know some people will say oh you, you don't take you take sin with, I don't take sin lightly at all sin is what. What Jesus had to do for us to deal with sin is off the charts of what we can even imagine, and, and in, in the in the portrayals of the crucifixion that we've maybe seen or read, um, you know, um, they, they I, none of them they, they all pale in comparison to the reality of what actually took place there on the, the the horrendous torture. And if you if you ever get like a coroner's report of what he he would have experienced on the cross, the the just the horrendous agony along with the the, the you know the rejection, everything else he was going through. Um, that's how serious sin is. Don't hear me say that sin isn't. Sin is huge, and, and, and it separated us from God, but Jesus has made a way to deal with it because of what he did, because he loved us so much at the cross. But but let's not lose sight of what he did so that we can love others into the hope. Because if you don't love others like Jesus did, you can't tell them, now go and leave your life as sin. I don't know about you, but but when when I met Jesus, I was such a mess, and i got to say, you know, nearly... 30 years later i'm still a mess there's some stuff he's cleaned up in me thank god for doing that but there's still i'm i'm so far from having arrived that it's it's ridiculous I, 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 and i amaze myself sometimes at how far away i am i don't know about you i'm like 30 years in i 30 years i but it's like does he ever keep on does he uncover layers in you because you know, sometimes you think, man, I've dealt with some, Lord, you've really dealt some stuff in me. And he'll go, peel some stuff off. Ew! You need to deal with that too? Okay, but see, he loves me into dealing with it. You know, he said, come on, let's go. He pours out our spirit into us to help us because we can't do it without that. But, but I think sometimes we forget and then we start looking at people who haven't got into the journey yet and we start, oh, well, you know, I'm so much further along than you. and you're, we, we have to do this thing with the light of grace, and Jesus said, "Look, whoever follows after me will walk in this light of life. They won't walk in darkness any longer. We won't get stuck in that rule thing. We realize that we have to move forward. And again, this encounter I think shows us the importance of seeing the beauty of people's potential, and being a people of mercy and grace, a people of truth, but but people who love well, so that we can introduce truth, that that the spirit of God can bring that into people's that changes them, that that." Rather than being condemned, they're convicted. There's a huge difference. When you feel condemned, you're pretty much not going to change. When you feel convicted by the Lord, you start thinking, I probably ought to work on that Lord. And he begins to change. See, and, and that's the difference. And so, so this is how we are salt and light into the world, into a really hurting world. Let's be neighbors. Let's, let's, let's understand that we're to extend this mercy that we've received to the people we encounter who desperately need it. And this is all about interacting well. And, and please take some time this week and think about that encounter. I think it's one of the most fascinating ones in the scripture because um, he just doesn't do again what we would expect him to do. He does something completely different uh, because he's demonstrating what the light of life looks like, this light of grace that he's brought to the world so people can have life now and forever. So think about that this week and we'll, we'll finish it for there and we'll look at some more encounters in the weeks ahead, but that's enough. For this one if you're watching on television or video thank you so much for doing that we appreciate your time if you need prayer go to our website keysvineyard.com or call us we'd be happy to pray for you come and visit us whenever you get a chance